Welcome to the latest edition of Fitch's Global Economic Outlook podcast. My name's Tony Stringer. I'm a Managing Director in Fitch's Global Sovereign Group, and I'm joined today, uh, as always, by our Chief Economist, Brian Coulton. So, Brian, just to kick off, in the final GEO of 2018, I note that you haven't changed your forecast for GDP growth for 2018 or 2019. Does that mean that you're as optimistic as you were three months ago, or has the balance of risks changed at all during that period? Well, you're absolutely right. When we look at the headline numbers, it all looks pretty good still. But when you look below the hood, it's yeah, it's getting a little bit less balanced, and I think the downside risks are, are definitely rising. We've also seen volatility go up since September, and those concerns we had about liquidity being taken out of the system, leading to higher volatility, kind of seems to be coming true. In terms of the data flow, the Eurozone's clearly disappointed. Some of it's temporary, but I think we're probably coming to the conclusion that more of the recovery in 2017 was about world trade, and now world trade is slowing. That, that's a bigger issue. China, the forecast slowdown we had is now becoming a reality. You know, One of the areas that surprised us a bit on the negative side has been the consumer there, quite soft. And we're getting a policy response in China that's quite different to the way they've done it before. And that raises uncertainties about how quick the economy might respond to policy easing, how powerful it might be. Midterms in the US, I think, kind of reinforce our view that the fiscal boost to the economy, yes, we've got one more year coming in 2019, but 2020 is definitely going to be seeing a tailing off of that fiscal boost in, in the US. We don't really see the Democrats mm. signing up to a big spending boost just ahead of Trump trying to get re-elected. All told, it's, it's definitely a, a less comfortable picture than we had before. So maybe digging into some of those themes a bit more, one of the themes that comes out of the report is divergence, both between growth tra- trajectories in the major economies, US, the Eurozone and China, which you just mentioned, but also in terms of monetary policy direction. So we've seen, obviously, all, already we've seen some tightening by the Fed. ECB are coming towards the termination of QE. So how much do you think the divergent monetary policy paths are affecting and informing our view on the growth outlook? And what other factors are contributing to those divergent views on on growth? I guess I probably see monetary policy more as a reaction to the differing growth picture and the differing cyclical picture in terms of of how tight labour markets are in in certain countries versus, versus others, particularly the US. The fact that the US economy is still going to be growing well above trend next year, that means further declines in unemployment and and is going to keep the Fed uh, on the tightening course. We'll we'll come back to that. Whereas in the Eurozone, there's a bit of increasing nervousness on the part of the ECB in terms of of, of how how growth is is weakening. So I think it's really the growth dynamics uh, diverging that are driving the monetary policy, the changes in the monetary policy view rather than, than the other way around. So what's driving the growth dynamics? Well, part of it is fiscal policy. Uh, in the US, uh, which is much easier than elsewhere. Also, you know, the Chinese economy is still responding, we think, to the tightening of, of, of credit policies about 12 months ago. Uh, that's still feeding through the system. That That's an important factor. And of course, you know, China's being hit by this trade war to a greater extent than elsewhere. I mean, some of the global trade war scenarios that we were talking about three or four months ago probably look less likely now because we've had that NAFTA resolution. But it's very much focused on China now. So, uh, so, so that, that, is, that is also a factor. It's really monetary policy reacting rather than, rather than leading, I think. OK, well, just picking up on that, on, on monetary policy, this, just this week we've seen Jay Powell come out and maybe soften his rhetoric around the, the tightening path that we'd assumed was going to be coming through or continuing in the US from the Fed. I mean, do you take that as any kind of a signal that maybe the Fed 
might be ready to start changing course a little bit and to reduce the pace of hikes through 2019? I think the market and some of the commentaries made a bit too much of this. It wasn't a speech on monetary policy, it was a speech on financial stability. It was just one paragraph at the beginning on monetary policy. And all he said was that uh, interest rates are now approaching the bottom of the broad range of estimates of the neutral rate. Well, if you look at the September projections from the FOMC members, in there they have long-run projections for interest rates. Those long-run projections in September, but also in previous editions as well, had a range of 2.5 to 3.5. We're now at 2.25. So it's really just a statement of, of the obvious. At 2.25, the Fed is now approaching the lower estimates of, of the neutral rate. I'm not sure that necessarily means that Powell's own view of the neutral rate has changed. I mean, that was the, the statement that moved markets in early October. All he said was that the broad range of estimates, we're getting, we're getting close, closer to that. The Fed themselves have signalled, in terms of their own forecast, that they want to go to 3.4. That's the median of where, of where they're going. So they're, they're talking about going above the midpoint of that range. So if, if the Fed were to make a change to uh, its forward guidance to the extent that, that the market seems to be thinking, I think they would do it in a much more structured way than, than this. What really comes through as a much more high conviction view from Jay Powell when you listen to his speeches is, is how confident he is about the economy and the economy's capacity and ability to absorb ongoing rate increases at a gradual pace uh, with, without falling over. And I think, for me, that's still the message. So, no, we haven't changed our forecast. We still think the Fed is going to raise rates three times in 2019. So maybe turning to Europe, we've seen, and the report talks about a softening in growth, a softening in inflation and the inflation outlook, uh, just as the ECB is coming towards what it plans to be the termination of QE in December. Uh, I know we had previously factored in a rate hike towards the end of 2019 from the ECB. Do you think, given this sort of lacklustre growth picture that we're seeing, particularly in Q3 2018, is that likely to make the, the ECB change course at all? And what, what's our expectation now for policy? I think I'd make a very clear distinction between the ECB's balance sheet policies, which, which I don't think are going to be, be moved, and their forward guidance on rates. So on the balance sheet policy, all of the recent ECB speeches have been very clear that there's this pivot coming in terms of how they're going to provide monetary accommodation to the economy. So it's no longer going to be about net asset purchases. It's all going to be about how big the balance sheet is. That's a source of monetary accommodation. The fact that they've got so many bonds that they're holding, it's the level of, of the holdings that matters rather than the flow. They've been increasingly trying to get the market focused on that. And associated with that is the reinvestment flows, which are going to be going up and up because the balance sheet's been rising over time. And so the, the rollovers are going to be going up over time. We think maybe sort of 250 billion euros worth in 20, 2019. So they've been focusing on the stock of assets held, the reinvestment and the forward guidance. That's where the accommodation is coming from going forward. And there's not really any diversion from that in terms of their recent rhetoric. So we think they're very much on track to end QE in December 2018. That'll be the last purchases. On the forward guidance, though, I do sense there's been a bit of soul searching and we could be looking for a change here because not only have we these growth revisions downwards, which, which the ECB will be making in their December meeting, I think they're also increasingly disappointed with inflation performance. Core inflation is just really, really stubborn. If you look at the ECB's forecasts, it kind of rises very, very rapidly in 2019, 2020. When we're looking at the numbers, that looks like a really bold call. And I think the ECB are getting worried. There's drug has been talking about margin compression, how low in the history of low inflation, rising uncertainties about the global growth outlook, you know, could mean that that margin compression is something more persistent. So 
we changed our forecast in this year. We no longer think the ECB is going to raise rates in 2019. We're going to think they're going to push that out to 2020. And their forward guidance will start to evolve in that direction. Now, whether it happens in December or a little bit later on, not so clear. But we, we don't think they're going to be raising rates in 2019. Changing tack and focusing now on China, you've said in the report that the slowdown in China is now becoming fact rather than forecast. How much of that really is reflecting some of the trade tensions that you referred to earlier, particularly the US tariffs on Chinese exports? And to what extent are other factors at play in this slowdown that we're seeing in the Chinese economy? I think in terms of what we've seen today, it's much more about the domestic economy, to be honest, than the external side. You look at export growth, in real terms, it's eased a little bit, but it's certainly not falling off a cliff. I think the tariff shock and the export shock actually is still to come. That's ahead of China. What we're seeing now coming through on the numbers is really all about the follow through from the earlier policy tightening, the slowdown in credit, which is ongoing, the slowdown in infrastructure spending having a multiplier impact across the rest of the economy. You know, and what's also been interesting for us, as I mentioned before, the consumer seems to be taking a bit more of a hit this time around than in, than in other cycles. To some extent, that's just, a, you know, just income growth slowing as a result of the rest of the economy slowing. But, you know, one of the new things to watch in this cycle in China is household leverage has gone up a huge amount in the last five years. So, you know, we may be in a scenario where households are starting to feel a little bit of pressure from, from a rising interest service burden and not spending quite as much. So I think it's really been domestic up to now. But of course, we know there's this export shock coming down the track. So this is why I think you know, China has quite a policy challenge ahead as to how, how to respond to this export shock in the context of, of weaker domestic demand. On the other hand, still having you know concerns about controlling financial risks in the economy and not wanting to reverse the deleveraging campaign. So it's getting a little bit more tricky for them. Okay, maybe more broadly in EMs, we're expecting continued dollar strength. We're definitely expecting tighter financing conditions through 2019. So how do you expect those two factors to impact EM growth more broadly through next year? Well, it's kind of a bit of view in the market recently that the, you know, the, the EM pressure is all over now. You know, there's been a bit of a relief. Given our view on where the Fed's going compared to how the market's viewing it, I'm not at all sure that that's the case. I think I think we are going to get renewed, renewed dollar strength. And the problem is the dollar matters. The dollar and dollar interest rates matter so much more for the rest of the world than, say, the U.S. economy does for the for the rest of global GDP. So, you know, it, it is going to is going to maintain the pressure. I think in terms of debt service burden in local currency terms, but continue to put pressure on on central banks. You know, we've we've seen uh, Indonesia. South Africa, Mexico, all surprise on the hawkish side uh, relative to our previous expectations since September. There's been a clear tightening of emerging market financing conditions. You look at the IF's bank lending survey, for instance. You know, we have downgraded a couple of our growth forecasts on the basis of that. So it, this is definitely an issue. I mean, monetary policy has responded, yes, that's, that's important for, for sort of stabilising the, the FX situation in emerging markets, but it has its consequences. You know, we, we do think that there is a, a credit drag on EM growth. Finally, the report talks about downside risks to the economy from 2020, notwithstanding the fact that we haven't changed our forecast, our GDP forecast for 2019. Perhaps you could just summarise what you think the key risks are to the outlook beyond next year over the, over the medium term for the global economy. I think number one, this tightening liquidity, how does it pan out? Does it, does it accelerate more aggressively? US inflation is the one to watch there. The more unemployment falls, the, the more that risk goes up. The, the rise in Italian spreads related to the fiscal issues with the, with the European Commission, you know, that, that potentially in the context of the ECB no longer buing debt. So Eurozone governments having to 
tap the market again, and that I think is a, is an important risk. You know, if we get renewed concerns about fragmentation from the market, that could be an issue that has a tightening impact on financing conditions. And then trade, as I say, some of the global risks seem to have diminished a bit, but you never know with this administration where that's all going to flare up again. Thank you, Brian, and thank you all for listening. The next Fitch GEO podcast is scheduled for March 2019, and we hope you join us for that.